Good morning. We are happy to be here. I'm happy to see. I don't want to use the word old faces. Faces that we have known for a long time. And new faces and visitors. Before we open the scriptures, let's bow our heads. Our loving Heavenly Father, we pray for the presence of that spirit that inspired the prophets and the apostles to write this book. May the same spirit interpret it for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn with me to Romans, the epistles to Romans. And uh, let's read verses 16 and 17. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greeks. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So Paul says he's not ashamed of the gospel. Because the righteousness of God is revealed in it, brethren. The righteousness is synonymous with Christ. The righteousness is the power of God for salvation. And that's again synonymous with Christ. Uh, I like to refresh your mind. You probably remember a couple of weeks ago, and this is a theological history in my mind, not political. It may sound political, but it is theological. A couple of weeks ago, Pope Francis was visiting Mexico. And Mexico is a predominantly Roman Catholic country. And the issue came up in the conversation among the Mexicans and the Pope that President Trump is building a wall. And if you approach a social problem with a political motive, you are making a mistake. Are you following me? If you approach a social problem 
with a political motive, try to gather some benefit, you will make the wrong statement. So Pope Francis said, President Trump is not a Christian. I listened to his response. And his response was extremely kind. He says, I am a kind man, President Trump said. I am a kind man. But I like to regulate the immigration according to constitution. Now let me hasten to add something. I left my home country, Hungary, over 60 years ago. I am a refugee, naturalized. I have now U.S. citizenship. I am thankful to the good Lord that I was privileged to come here. But I went through the proper channels. I waited in a refugee camp. Then I waited for citizenship. I went through the investigation of my past. Oh, they asked a million questions, you know. And then, after so many years, working hard, and so on and so on, I got my citizenship. So I am very sympathetic with the, the immigrants who try to come here. You follow me? I am one of them. But I believe that everybody should go through the proper channel. And this is what the president tried to do. But the Pope says he's not a Christian now. I don't want to defend President Trump's Christianity. That's not my burden today. My burden today is the gospel of Christ. But <clears throat> let's not play politics with religion. The two does not mix. You follow me? Uh, turn with me to First Corinthians fifteen. First Corinthians fifteen. And I begin to read verse one and down. First Corinthians. 15 verses 1, 2, 3 and so on moreover brethren I declare to you the gospel of Christ which I preached to you which also you received and in which you stand by which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I pray to you, I mean preach to you. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. 
and that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And then he was seen by Cephas and then by twelve according to the scriptures. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain at the presence, but some have fallen asleep, according to the scriptures. And after that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, according to the scriptures. And then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of undue time, according to the scriptures. We can go down and down and repeat it because that's the ultimate rule. Now, let me emphasize dearly, beloved, the gospel is inseparable, inseparably connected to the scriptures. There is no gospel without the scriptures. Are you following me, brethren? You may say an amen if you agree. And don't say a loud no if you disagree. But uh, the gospel is inseparably connected with the scriptures. The other day, uh, I had to attend a funeral service. Uh, a very good friend of ours, in fact, the wife is a member, the husband is not a member of the West Lake Hungarian Church. And uh, the grandfather died. So the memorial service, a mass, was conducted in the Hungarian Roman Catholic Church next to the West Side Market. That's St. Emmerich Church. Now, I'm saying this simply to illustrate a communion service was conducted and uh, the Hungarian priest whom I personally know and visited with him followed the ritual and I am telling you something that you already know when it came to the high point of the service, he lifted up the host, a little wafer, a little round wafer. And when he said the words, you know, this is my body, the church members believed that transubstantiation took place. That little host turned into the real body of Christ. Of course we do not accept that interpretation. But I use this to illustrate that while the church changed 
from Latin to English in its cardinal doctrines the church has not changed you follow me brother it's very important for us to realize for us Protestants you know this is a year that the Protestants remember the start of the Reformation it was 1517 October 31st we are not there yet a few more months but it was 1517 October 31st when Luther Martin nailed the 95 theses to the castle door and do you know what was the issue at that time Do you know you must know history brethren because what were the issues then is still an issue today and the issue was selling indulgences and you know what it means you 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 pay so much for little sin and if your sins were bigger you paid more to get indulgences forgiveness and uh, Luther just finished studying the epistles to the Romans and Luther came to the conviction that the man is justified by faith that these papers the tertiary and others are selling good for nothing are you following me brother and he told his congregation but the germans <clears throat> the hard working german farmers and miners and whatever trade they followed they said okay if this money i mean if these indulgences are worth nothing we go to tertiary and ask him to return our money now brethren when it comes to that the things get really hot when you ask the church to return your money conflict was building up that rome could not sidestep but do you know that they still sell indulgences do you know that that teaching of the church has never been revoked now the reformation spread over europe like wildfire within a short time europe became protestant 500 years ago rome realized that we are losing so they called a council a church council known in history as a council of trident or trident 
Hungarian trident, English maybe trident or whatever. But anyhow, this church council lasted 18 years. How many, how many of you remember Second Vatican Council? It lasted about three years. But this was lasting for 18 years. And the big issue, the big question was, how do we respond to the Protestant teaching? The Jesuits came in and they worked hard. I don't want to go into detail because that's not my burden, but many of the cities and counties and countries they regained. Regained. Now, let me read this again because it is extremely important. Paul says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is a power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Brethren, it is an extremely important principle. We discussed some of it in our Sabbath school class while Nick was teaching the class. The righteousness of God is the character of God. Jesus obeyed the law from birth to death. And the merits of this obedience he is willing to share with us. And this is extremely important. I'd like to share briefly two Bible stories that you know it by heart, but I think it's important to review them, that illustrates that the Word of God should dominate our religious life. Because the time will come, probably not far from now, when you will be told, not President Trump, you will be told that you are not a Christian. Are you following me? Uh, if you follow the religious news, uh, sometimes back there was a ecumenical convention to which all kinds of religious bodies were invited except except the fundamentalists 
Now, you know when I am speaking about fundamentalists, who the fundamentalists are. The fundamentalists are that group of Christians who believe that you take the Bible as it reads. We are almost fundamentalists. Uh, uh, There is one area where we respectfully disagree, and that's that we believe in thought inspiration. So the Holy Spirit inspired the individuals, the prophets, the apostles, but the Holy Spirit did not choose the words. It is the prophet, it is the apostle who chose their own words to express the thoughts. In this respect we differ, but in many other areas we agree with the fundamentalists. Are you following me? Virgin birth. We agree 100%. Is it important to believe in the virgin birth? Brethren, it's a salvation issue. It is a salvation issue. If that is not true, then nothing is true. You following me? Brethren, I hope you realize this. So, but fundamentalists were not invited to these meetings. And uh, Pope Francis spoke up against, of course, Muslim fundamentalism, Jewish fundamentalism, Protestant fundamentalism, and he was generous even to criticize Roman Catholic fundamentalism. He says, we have some Roman Catholic fundamentalists. I would say what President Trump said more than once, you know, when he he was cornered, (coughs) President Trump says, hey, listen, he had to say that. He had to say that. You follow me? Now, if you don't, you think it over later, all right? But my point is that when the Pope is telling the strongest men in the political world, because that president tries to follow the constitutional law, that you are not a Christian, that it is only a question of time when you will be told that if you don't confirm, if you don't conform, You are not a Christian. Are you able to defend your stand? So, of course, uh, I still have some time, not too much. I better hurry up because that clock is running. I just wanted to mention that I enjoyed the last GYC. Do you know that one of our own, one of our own, Pastor Sliger was one of the guest speakers 
at the last GYC. I was so happy to hear that and listen to him. But <clears throat> this was uh, in Texas, over 5,000 young people gathered together on the Sabbath. The title or the motto of their meeting was, When All Has Been Heard, when all has been heard, focused on the investigative judgment and the need for God's people to perfect Christian character. And last, generation theology. Important topics. Uh, I cannot say all what I wanted to say, <clears throat> but let me come to the stories that I like to share with you briefly. <clears throat> One happened in Capernaum at the home of Peter. The second story took place in Jerusalem. Let's turn to the first one, Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. And verse 1. And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house, and immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And please listen to this. Please listen. And he preached the word to them. He preached the word to them. Jesus preached the word to them. Now he was healing too. But the number one burden was to call their attention to the word of God. And uh, there was a paralytic. Who couldn't walk anymore. But he heard of Jesus. He heard that Jesus never, never turned away anybody. Do you hear me? He never turned away anybody. The man was desperate. He was practically dying. But his greatest predicament was not the physical, but the guilt feeling. Previously, he went to the Pharisees, asked for help. And they turned him down and they told him, the curse of God resting on you. This sickness is a curse from God. And they sent him away. So he went down, down, down in discouragement. But then he heard of Jesus. 
And he asked his friends to bring him to Jesus. So the four men picked him up, brought it to the house of Peter, but the crowd was so big and everybody was so anxious, they wouldn't even let him in. Nobody would move. Now can you imagine, brethren, there is a paralyzed man that needs to get into the presence of Jesus and the people would not open up. So the man suggested, take me up to the roof. Open up the roof and let me down. That's what they did. And brethren, when you go home, read the whole story in Desire Wages. It will bring tears to your eyes. They let him down. The conversation stops. Everybody is silent. What will happen next? The eye of Jesus meets the eye of this man. He reads the longing of this man. And inspiration tells us that the words of Jesus sounded as the most beautiful music to him when he said, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven to you. Peace came over him. He couldn't care anymore what follows. Whether he will be healed or not is not important anymore. The greatest burden of his heart was taken off. Son, your sins are forgiven you. Ah, oh, but the Pharisees were there. The very ones who turned him down, the very same who said, you are suffering under the curse of God. And inspiration tells us that they were afraid. Do you know what they were afraid of? Do you know? They would lose their influence over the people. What a selfish motive. When one individual is dying and instead of helping, what about my influence over the people? Or our influence over the people? And uh, they said this man is committing blasphemy. Who can forgive sin but God. Now brethren, may I say this? Insufficient knowledge can be very damaging. You follow me? Insufficient knowledge can be very damaging. That part of the reasoning was correct that only God can forgive sin. That was correct. The problem was that they did not recognize the divinity of Christ. 
In fact, that was the reason for which they crucified him, because he claimed to be the Son of God. <coughs> but again, the beauty of the character of our dear Redeemer shines forth so convincingly, because he wanted to save everything. We just studied in the Sabbath school lesson this week that the Lord is not willing that anybody should perish but that all would come to repentance and be saved so that was his burden and this is the response that Jesus gave says that you may know that you may know that the son of man has power to forgive sins on earth I tell you arise take up your bed and go home and inspiration tells us so beautifully that the man who was paralyzed now stood up and took up his bed and went home. That home became a firm Christian home. Husband, wife, children, grandparents, all the relatives. But do you recognize, brethren, the sequence of healing? First, forgiveness. Then, physical restoration by the word of God. By the word of God. Let's consider the second story. I have five more minutes, brother, according to the bulletin. Okay. That clock will stop before I am done because I have to finish this illustration. It's such a beautiful story. You know it by heart. But... It says so much, so relevant for us today. Jesus was, this is chapter 8 in the Gospel of John. Chapter 8 in the Gospel of John. Chapter 8 in the Gospel of John. Jesus was teaching in Jerusalem. Let me read from verse 1. But Jesus went into the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he came again to the temple. And all the people came to him. <coughs> Excuse me. And he taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. 
But what do you say? Please read verse 6. Extremely important. Verse 6. Extremely important. This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. Now, brethren, when it comes to a life and death matter, to a salvation issue, am I using the situation for political reasons? Trump is not a Christian because he's building a wall. I'm not defending Trump. He's not he is my president and I give him the protocol, I give him the respect that a president is due, okay? This is not the issue. But I am simply saying, verse 6, this I said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. If he says, stone him, he can be accused at the Romans because only the Romans had the right of capital punishment. If he tells them, let her go, he can be accused of breaking the law of Moses. So they thought, they thought, they cornered Jesus. Jesus is in a predicament from which he cannot come out. Do you follow me, brethren? But again, thank you, Jude. <clears throat> but brethren, what a ridiculous thing. Thinking they can put Christ into a situation from which there is no escape. If you turn to the left, you are in trouble. If you turn to the right, you are in trouble. Whatever answer you give, right or yes or no, you are in trouble. But he is a mighty creator. The everlasting father. Stupid, sinful man. Try to corner the creator. Their predicament was that they did not recognize the full divinity of Jesus and brethren. That's still an issue today. Are you with me? It's still an issue and it is a salvation issue. I love the Jewish people. I told you I grew up. No. My mother grew up in a Roman Catholic home. Fourteen children. My mother had thirteen brothers and sisters. She was in the middle. She was the seventh. Fourteen children. And her brothers married 
Jewish girls. Now, these Jewish girls were secular Jews. They did not go near the synagogue. You follow me? But they were Jews. And during World War II, they were hiding because the Nazis tried to collect them and send them to concentration camp. One of the ends converted. She became a faithful Roman Catholic until the end of the war. You follow me? When the war was over, she did not go near to that Catholic Church. I'm not blaming her. <clears throat> but they were neither Christians nor Jews, practicing Jews. You follow me, brother? I love Jews, but Jews still don't accept Christ as the promised Messiah. And brethren, that's a salvation issue. That is a salvation issue. Now let's come back to this story. <clears throat> they quoted Moses. Moses said this should be stoned. But what do you say? And Jesus bends down and writes on the ground. He doesn't give an answer. But they push for an answer. They demand an answer. Finally, he stands up. He says, he who is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. And brethren, he bent down and kept on writing again. Not one individual picked up a stone. In fact, the scripture says, being accused by their own conscience, they all walked out. All walked out. Then Jesus stands up and asks, Woman, where are your accusers? Nobody accuses you. Remember her response? Nobody, Lord. Nobody. And then he says, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. A few days later, <clears throat> maybe weeks, I don't know exact time, Jesus is at the home of Simon the Pharisee. This is a Simon whom Jesus cleansed from leprosy. Just as serious as the paralytic that was let down, hopeless. But Jesus cleansed him and he openly joined the group of disciples. But he was not yet converted. Is it possible to join the church under conviction and yet not be converted? Simon was one of those. You read these outrageous, brother. You have to read these outrageous. But he 
gave a party for Jesus because he appreciated the cleansing but there was a secret there that nobody knew it was Simon who led Mary into sin are you with me brethren it was Simon years ago nobody knew except Jesus now at this feast Mary comes with a very expensive ointment pours it on Jesus and wipes his feet with her hair kisses his feet and when Simon sees this he says oh oh if this man speaking about Jesus if this man were a prophet he would know what kind of woman she is that touches him because she is a sinner Simon assumed a carnality there that was not present are you with me brethren he assumed a carnality that was not present. Extremely important for us to see. And then Jesus corrects it. And again, how beautifully, how patiently, how kindly he deals with everybody. Because he is not willing that anybody should be lost. <coughs> Says Simon, I have something to tell you. And Simon says, Lord, go on. When I came to your home, you did not kiss me. This woman did not stop kissing me since she came in. When I came to your home, you did not anoint me. Look at the anointing that she did. And lists all the qualities. And then he says, to whom much is forgiven loves much and to whom is little forgiven loves little but I tell you wherever this gospel will be preached her name will be included in it and here comes a statement that must have sounded like good music to Mary Jesus told her your sins are forgiven you. Simon had to hear it. Everybody else had to hear it who knew Mary of Magdala. But brethren, it was done according to the scriptures. It was done it will be done always according to the scriptures. Now in closing I like to mention one thing. I overran the time, but you know, I am here so seldom that I took that liberty, I took five extra minutes. The gospel. The gospel. 
Oh, about 25 years ago, Dennis Preby was our guest speaker here in Brooklyn. I could say much about that. I rather don't. I enjoyed his presence. There were some who opposed him, and there were some who supported him. But here is his book, Face to Face with the Real Gospel. Face to Face with the Real Gospel. There are theological issues that I cannot include in this sermon, brethren, because we would be here until 2 o'clock. Now, Paul said, I can preach as long as I choose to, but even two hours wouldn't be enough. I am highly recommending that you get this book, Face to Face with the Real Gospel, revised edition by Dennis Preby. Uh, you need to read it. You need to read it. So again, thank you. The Lord bless you real good. Put implicit trust in the word. Put implicit trust in the word. And the Lord will be with you. Amen. Let's bow our heads. <clears throat> Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the sure word of prophecy. Thank you that we can put implicit trust in your promises. And we thank you that everything that has been written will be fulfilled. And Lord, just give us a grace that we would be loyal to your word. Trust the word. Obey the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.